One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, guys, we're on session number three of uh, the School of the Holy Spirit. And tonight we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the power of the Holy Spirit and specifically um, the spirit of prophecy and what the spirit of prophecy is. Because a lot of people have a misconception, they don't understand. Um, we, got, we talked last week about um, uh, righteous judgment as a function of prophecy and how powerful the view out of heaven is. That whenever you tap into heaven, you hear what the, the Lord is saying about a person who's bound in depression and you speak the word of the Lord to them and you know they, they shake, they, they, they cry, something is separated from them and it's a beginning of an impartation of the view that heaven has upon their life and prophecy transforms them. So we're going to talk a lot more tonight about that, but uh, turn with me in your Bible to uh, John chapter 1. Um, and I'm going to read verse 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, the Word, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it, meaning it could not stop it, right? And so the very beginning with the creation of the earth, it says that all things came through. It says the Holy Spirit was hovering on the earth, right? Genesis chapter 1. And it says that the Lord spoke. Who was it that spoke? That was Jesus Christ, the Word, okay? And it's not just what's written in your Bible. It's the living Christ who knows all things, who speaks out of heaven with the perspective of a heavenly view to create, okay? And so what John is describing here is the full essence of the word, not just your written scripture, but this living Christ, this one who reigns in heaven today as the one who spoke at the very beginning and now through the gift of Christ walking as a son of God on the earth, right? In, in, in the essence of Christ coming to the earth, you know, he took sin on. He took all the darkness of the earth, all the, everything that separated man when Satan deceived man. He actually took all that darkness, the veil. He took on what veils man, if you think of it that way. Everything that veils the heart of man, he took on himself, Right? It says he became sin that knew no sin for you. Right? So that, that picture of Christ who didn't have to go to the cross but willing, willingly wanted to go to the cross, you know, in the garden, he could have, it says he could have called down 12 legions. Right? Think about that. 
He, he, he wasn't a victim of the Romans. He was not a victim of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He willingly went as a lamb to take the darkness, what veils the heart, to the cross. And it says that when he was on the cross, he took sin to the grave. He descended into hell. It says that he took the keys. He resurrected. Revelation chapter 1, we talked about that last week. He holds the keys of death and life. He holds all keys. And so he willingly came as a lamb, not just to address the act of sin. How many of you think of sin? You're thinking of, you know, kind of what you grew up in old churchianity. Um, You know, sin is adultery. Sin is uh, murder. And all those are, that's the act of sin. But sin, if you look at the definition of sin, it's, it's, it's actually defined as missing the mark. It's actually separation. The greatest element of sin is being separated from the heart of God, separated from the Father, right? And so when Jesus ascended into heaven, it says that he, his blood fulfilled the anger of, of the Father, right? It, he fulfilled it. And when the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, now the Father looks at you, not angry, but He looks at you as a Father sees you washed and clean, right? So one of the greatest fallacies in the church is people that keep coming to the altar not recognizing that Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets, washing you clean, And doing everything that you couldn't do on your own, right? If you go on to verse 16 in John chapter 1, it says, And of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about, in chapter chapter 9 and 10, it talks about, If the blood of bulls and goats under the law could have been successful, there would have been no need for Christ. So the blood of the bulls and goats could not cleanse your conscience. It could not remove the guilt. It could not remove the sin. It was a short-term hold, okay? But Christ, when Christ came and His blood was shed, it actually washed. It It has the power to wash your conscience, okay? And so the greatest deception in the church is actually that everything that Christ paid for to bring you into the heart of the Father, right? To go, it talks about going into the Holy of Holies to come boldly to the throne of grace. He's talking about your spirit, your heart-to-heart connecting with the heart of the Father, realizing that everything that separated you from Him Every stupid thing you ever did, every sin, every act of sin, and everything that would separate you from the presence of the Lord, the blood of Jesus actually literally washed you. Isn't that awesome? So if you understand that the blood of Jesus washed you, you don't have to work. In fact, it's called dead works. That's why Paul called it, you can't work your way hard enough to get into the presence of the Holy Spirit. You actually have to believe with your heart that the blood has washed you has, and everything that separates you, Jesus paid for. 
And so Jesus is actually, and I, lo I love this aspect of Jesus, the greatest power of Christ is that he is a door. He said, I am, I am the gate. I am the, the, the one who stands at the, at the door. You knock and you come in. Amen? And so there's nothing keeping you from the presence of the Lord. Even if you sinned all day, you walk in here and say, I believe in Jesus Christ. And you fall on your knees and you give your heart and that blood washes you. The Bible says that Jesus broke down that middle wall of separation. There is nothing separating you from the heart of God. And if you understand that, the only thing that can keep you from the presence and the heart of the Father is deception. Satan is still running around deceiving the majority of the church who doesn't know who they are, who is still bound in guilt, who is still hopeless, doesn't think that there's a purpose for their life, doesn't know Christ to the extent that you run to him whenever you need a direction in your life. Can you hear me, man? I mean, the most powerful thing on earth is your relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that is the essence why Jesus poured out the Spirit of God, that you are never alone, that he actually sent heaven to earth and you walk with the Holy Spirit. And so the question is, is sin still working in your life? Because if you're not hearing the voice of the Lord, if you're not um, in like this thirsty pursuit of the presence of the Lord, what is deceiving you and tricking you into being more like the world than being what Christ defined you as according to the books written of you in heaven? Amen? Can I get an amen? <laughs> amen. And so, you know, the dream and the vision is the connection piece, knowing that Christ has a plan for your life, that you run into the holy place, that you run into the place where he speaks, that you thirst for him, that you, you set that alarm clock and you don't, you don't go to him if you have time in your day. You schedule your life to run to him and then you run into your day. It's a completely different mindset. And the difference is, are you religious or are you spiritual? Because a religious mindset is still geared to think about what I have to do, how I have to work, what do I have to achieve, instead of realizing that the voice of God speaks to those who, 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 who have been washed by the blood because the Father sees you through the blood, right? And the fact is this, Jesus actually paid for all men. That's what the Bible says. He paid for all men. And so the only thing keeping you from him is you running into his presence. And so the, the degree of you running, the issue is, are you running? I don't care if you came to the altar four times. I don't care if you're the greatest usher. I don't, you know, not, that's all cool that you're helping out in the body. But the question is, are you centering your life around the one who speaks? Because just as, the, as in the beginning, the Lord is actually still speaking today, right? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. Nothing is created unless spoken through the one who speaks. Amen? And I think one of the most saddest things is, you know, Paul said this in uh, 2 Corinthians 
uh, 3.14, he says, But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. He's talking about the Pharisee who knew the scripture but didn't know the living Christ. Right? They actually refused the living Christ. And when Jesus came, Jesus, Jesus had a discussion. He had many discussions, and they were never good with the Pharisees, these guys who knew the Scriptures, right? He was always confronting them, and they were always angry at him because he's claiming to be the Son of God, and they're saying, no, we're, we're sons of Abraham. We're, we, you know, we were birthed by Moses and the law. But Jesus, Jesus actually said this in... Uh, in John chapter 5, he says, You search the scripture because in the scripture you think is life, but you cannot see me. You can't not see me, the living Christ, standing in front of you. That scares me. That scare you? And I'm not saying don't search for Jesus in the Bible. I'm saying that Jesus is this this amazing God. He is the king of the universe. And he has all your answers. And he'll take you through the Bible. He'll actually reveal things. He'll teach you the Bible. Actually, the Bible can't actually be learned without the Spirit. Do you know that? I mean, there's many references to that. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 talks about the wisdom of men trying to understand the ways of God without the Spirit. And Paul says... That's a joke, guys. You can't understand God. You might be able to, to, to rationalize what scriptures say, but you'll never understand the meaning and application and be able to preach it as a prophecy. And beyond the understanding of the Bible is this relationship with the one who speaks, meaning that you actually, no matter where you're at in life, he's with you. And all you have to do is have your ear attentive, right? And if you have your ear attentive, some, somehow you become this supernatural weapon on the earth. That's the army of the Lord. Knowing that he speaks to you, and the, the key is how do you get dialed in? How do you believe in what the Spirit is saying? And so we're going to talk more tonight about this, the essence of what is the Spirit saying and how, how do you connect with the Spirit, but... You know, Jesus speaks, the, the, uh, the, the Hebrew language is actual, it's actually pictorial. You get a, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. You, you hear that saying? When you get a picture, when you get a vision, there's so much more in the vision than just hearing a sentence. I mean, the picture is like, I saw it. I saw it. I know this is what's going to happen. I saw it. I know this, what it, this is what it is. Okay, so if you get the picture of Jesus Christ, the word sitting in heaven, waiting for you to knock on his door because he has so many things to say to you, it'll it'll shift your whole how you center, make him a centerpiece and expect him to speak to you. So in Revelation chapter 19, uh, verse 10, I'm just going to read this uh, down to verse 16. It's a description of of Jesus Christ, the word. Okay. At the latter half of verse 10, it says, for the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. 
Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. That's a completely different description than just words on paper, right? I mean, that gets you pumped up. And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, deep and uh, white and clean, followed him on the white horse. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. And with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress with the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on uh, his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, the word revelation actually means the unveiling, okay? To, To unveil the real Christ, Now, there's a lot of theology out there that says the book of Revelation is for the end. Can I tell you that there's truth in that, but if you think that the whole book of Revelation is for the end, you're you're missing the point. It's actually the unveiling of the real Christ, right? If 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 you look at the book of Revelation, big picture, it's about deception to the church. The first, the first three, four books are about deception of the church, right? And Jesus trying to zero people in on the simplicity of burning for his presence, okay? Number one. Number two is this war, right? War breaks out in heaven. Satan gets kicked out. And there's this back and forth, right, of what's going on on the earth, what's going on in heaven. That's the war. Do you think you're not part of that? Don't answer that. But at the very end, you have this one who overcomes. How many of you could describe the struggles in your life just as I just, just, as I just described? Right? There's a deception. War breaks out. There's back and forth. And then there's this one called the Word of God. How many of you searched in the nighttime, knocking on the door of heaven, waiting for Christ to speak to you? And he spoke. And suddenly when he spoke, everything shifted in your life. Can I tell you that that is a picture of prophecy? That is a picture that if you get a word before you go into the battle, you approach that battle completely differently than all the anxiety you take into an unknown situation, all the anger because of something that happened to you, right? And this Christ, this, this one called the Word of God, the Spirit of prophecy, who's described as having eyes of fire, many crowns. His name is what? Jesus Christ, the, the Word of God, the Spirit of prophecy. So if you get a prophecy of something to come or you get a word of knowledge of a, of a now situation, is Christ, do you have to wait till the very end of the world for Christ to come out on his white horse? Or is the one on the white horse entering your life as we speak? Come on, man. You guys look a little bit, a little bit confused on that. He's, he, he, when, when prophecy is spoken to you, when a dream or a vision is, re, when the Lord speaks through a dream or a vision, it comes into your life, or somebody who comes and prophesies into your life, 
Guess what's happening? The rider on the white horse, the one who calls himself, he names himself the spirit of prophecy. Jesus Christ, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, meaning that he is the one who is upon the word, the true word when it is spoken to you, right? And so when, 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 when you shift your focus and realize that, oh my gosh, I have to get a word. I have to hear the Lord for the next phase of my life. Or as a weapon in the kingdom, a weapon in the church, you are waiting at the front door for the people, the 50 people, the 100 people, the 200 people, however big your church is, and you're waiting for the Lord to speak to you because you are partnered with this one who has eyes of fire, crowns on your head, written on him is the word of God, and you get a vision for that person? Why do you think people weep and fall down and cry when a true prophetic word or a true vision comes upon them? Do you think that's because some guy just got lucky? I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of, you know, there's junk, right? There's stuff that's not real. But a true word of the Lord, a true prophetic utterance, it says that it bears witness in the, in the heart of man, and it literally changes them. Okay, let's, let's dive into that a little deeper. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 4, verse 3 to 6. Now, this is a prophecy describing what would happen. This is in the book of Isaiah. So this is 850 or so years before the coming of Christ. But it is a prophecy of what will happen. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 4, verse 3 to 6. But this is a prophecy of what will happen when the King of kings and Lord of lords literally enters a person's life. Amen. And it shall come to pass that he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who is recorded among the living in Jerusalem. When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the blood of Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning, then the Lord will create above every dwelling place of Mount Zion and above her assemblies, a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flame by night. For over all the glory, there will be a covering. And what's described here in verse 4, it says the Lord will wash away the filth, okay? When you, when you accept Jesus Christ, everything that, has, that is potentially able to be washed has already been washed but you, your conscious awareness of everything doesn't always happen all the time, right? Some people, when they get filled with the Holy Ghost, they, they do crazy things, right? They're just, they're on fire. They were literally transformed overnight. Others, it may take a discussion in the next 30 days. Then some more deeper prophecy and to root out a specific thing. And there's more washing of a specific element that this rider of the white horse, this one called the spirit of prophecy, the word of God, actually, he washes, you live. He washes, you live. He washes, you live. So it's glory to glory to glory, meaning he washes off something dark. You live a little bit. 
He washes off something else dark. You shine brighter. He washes off something else, and more light comes out of you. You begin to reflect more of Christ than you did last year because you are, you are driving into the presence of the Lord, and you are seeking for this one who speaks to continue to wash and to continue to wash. And it's described, it describes two things when the washing occurs, okay? It says, by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. The word judgment there actually means to render a verdict. So if, you, if, if, I, if I get a word of knowledge for a person who's a drug addict, and I say, I saw Jesus actually walk into your life and pull that beer bottle out of your life, he crushes it, and the Lord says, no longer will you rely on alcohol because you're receiving a touch from the Lord. That is, a, that is a judgment. I am releasing the verdict of the Lord according to the vision that I see, right? And my, my confidence in what I see has a, has a part in what Jesus is speaking to this person, right? And so when, when you are giving a vision, you are releasing a verdict upon a person. You are releasing a verdict. If you give a vision, a prophecy to a church or a, a prophecy, like some people even give prophecies over nations, you are releasing, you are confronting something that is and revealing the vision of the Lord and releasing the verdict that the Lord is, is shifting direction and changing something according to a verdict, right? There's a judgment, right? So that's one element of prophecy. The other one, it says there's, there's a spirit of burning. It's actually not just as there a verdict released, but there's a transforming touch that reaches into the soul. And it's like, it's like changing dials. It does something. It is supernatural. It literally is Christ coming out of heaven and shifting a person's life. Shifting their soul. Amen? You with me? So it's not just, you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, that guy says he had a vision and eh, I don't know. Well, Paul describes it like this. In, in uh, 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Actually, let's go there real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 24. He says, But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. He starts out by saying, if all prophesy. He's talking, he's, he's actually, this is part of the discussion in 1 Corinthians 14 where he's describing the church. He goes, I pray that you all pray in tongues and even more that you prophesy. Why? Because if you get the vision of the Lord, your church is transformed, okay? You get more, the deeper you go, the deeper you rely on the one who speaks you get transformed. He changes you. He washes you. You get up and run. He washes you again. You get up and run. He washes you. He, you get up and run. And there's this dynamic re living relationship of reliance on the Lord literally washing you and changing you. And you realize over time that it's not thing you could do on your own. You actually couldn't stop something or you couldn't work hard enough for something you actually relied on something supernatural that can't be seen, can't be described, but he actually speaks and changes and literally changes the dials in your soul. Amen? 
And so the relationship, the, the, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm beating on this topic is because unless your life is reflective of what is described and you are hungry for what he is saying, you won't truly value the vision he gives you for other people. Okay? There's, there's, there's G, it, the Bible says this. It says, uh, Jesus received the anointing without limitation. He, he, he got the full outpour of the Spirit. And so when you and I, the Bible also describes you and I receiving a portion. But what you received last year doesn't mean what you end with in 50 years. You see, the deeper you go, the, the revelation, there's, if, if, if there wasn't something to chase, if there wasn't a glory after glory after glory after glory, there would be no need to chase deeper into the heart of God. But the Lord says, the more light that comes out of you, the more of His presence, the more of His relational connection with Him, the more impact you will have because your light will shine brighter. Amen? That's your anointing. That's your equipping. That's your reliance, right? And last year when, when he had you have enough guts to talk to one person in your schoolroom class, this year he has you talk to a whole class. And then in five years, you're talking in front of a college graduation. And in 10 years after that, you're in front of a church or you're going to a nation, right? There's a glory to a glory to a glory. Amen? And so... When you prophesy, you are releasing a verdict and you are releasing an impartation. And that's why when people hear, that's why it bears witness. That's why people, some people weep. Some people, like, the, like it's a word of wisdom, they go, whew, right, wow, okay, I bear witness. Some, like, some words are transforming. Like, I was, uh, I was in India, and when I go to India, um, you know, like we'll do four or five churches during the day and I'll do a crusade at night. And so when I go into a church, literally the five minutes driving down the road to the next church, sometimes I don't even know what, you know, I don't even know what I'm going to preach about. Right. And so I've I had to, I've had to learn to tap into the Holy Spirit. And he usually he usually gives me a vision. He'll take me to a scripture and I'll get up and just start talking and I start prophesying and things just happen. Right. But on the way to this one church, the Lord gave me this uh, picture, this vision of, and he started talking to me about a woman with an issue of blood. And so I get into the church, interpreter, you know, we jump up, all the people are there, and I, I start to talk about the Lord um, wanting to address something in here. There's a woman with an issue of blood. And all of a sudden, the, there's a pa the pastor and his wife are sitting in the, in the front of the church. And all of a sudden, the pastor's wife stands up and screams, ah! runs down the aisle out of the back of the church. And I'm like, did I say something wrong? What, what's going on? And a couple of the women in the, you know, some of her friends literally are running out of the back of the church uh, going to get her. And... I'm a little bit, I'm like, okay, I've seen a lot of stuff, but that's a new one, right? Okay, and all of a sudden, the, the, uh, I'm, I start to get back into it, and the interpreter says something, and all of a sudden, the pastor approaches the, the, you know, the front of the church, 
And he starts to whisper in, in my interpreter's ear. And I can tell it's, it's like, it, it's, it's not cordial, right? It's, it's, uh, it's a little bit confrontational. And I, the interpreter kind of gets him calmed down. It's okay, it's okay. He sits down and he whispers, he whispers a couple of things to me um, about the pastor's wife. And I kind of put one, you know, two and two together. I realized that the word of knowledge I had was specific for the pastor's wife. Okay? So, you know, I had to have the guts to give it. And then the clues start unveil, being unveiled as I you know, start to walk on water, right? And so I'm talking about the woman with the issue of blood. And I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just kind of rolling with, with uh, the, the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And uh, 10, 15 minutes later, um, the woman and the, uh, the, all the women that left and the pastor's wife comes running into the church and, you know, they're, they're, they're talking in, in their language. And uh, the, the interpreter says, uh, she was bleeding for 18 years and now she, she's completely healed. There's no blood. And the pastor, <laughs> the pastor, the pastor is like speechless, right? And, the, and everybody in the church knows that the pastor's wife um, has a major medical problem. And so she, got, she gets up and she starts to tell, you know, and confirm, I'm healed. Guess what happened? That was, that was the message. That was the preaching. The people come. People get filled with the Holy Spirit and that type of thing. And um, I'm telling you this because it wasn't just a vision. What I spoke released a verdict. And what I spoke released an impartation. It wasn't just a vision. And so I'm emphasizing this to you to put more of a reliance, expectation, more dependence, that it's not just, how many of you get flashes? How many of you get a spot dream in the middle of the night? Okay, how many of you get up? How many of you actually go into your prayer life and start asking the Lord specific questions about that? You know, the only way I learned to prophesy the way I have is because when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit, I would have these spot visions. I would have these spot dreams. And I would pursue. I would pray. I would, you hear me tell the stories. I pray for hours. I ask the Lord questions. And I would wait. I'd knock on His door and expect Him to speak to me. And He started to speak to me. This is what this means. This is what this guy's going to do. This is why I told you this. I want you to go over here. There's always a next thing. There's always another level. And so the way I described your, the glory that's on you, the washing, and then there's another washing, and then there's another washing, I'm telling you that because you should have excitement that it's not that he's holding something back from you. It's that the rate of your pursuit of him will dictate the rate of your washing, the rate of your hearing, okay? The weight of the words you speak will de be dependent and connected to your relationship, okay? The weight that is on what you speak um, is, a, is an element, it's a, it's a reflection of your relationship with the Holy Spirit, okay? 
So you can have a vision of somebody and, and say something in passing and say, oh, I think this is going to happen, and out the door you go. Or you can say, no, you don't understand. This is what I saw, and this is what the Lord says about your life. No longer are you this. This is what you are. You're going to do this. And you, you have an influence on the vision that he gives you because you know that it wasn't a flash in a pan that you know that it wasn't just some frivolous thing. And the quicker you act and, and the quicker you pursue that and build upon that, the more potent the vision is that he gives you, okay? It's not just a flash in a pan. It's a flash in a pan if you let it be a flash in a pan. You with me? So we described a little bit about what a church, what the intent of the awakening of the prophetic army is in the church, right? Paul says, Paul described it as that when people, when people um, hear a true prophetic word, a true revelatory word of knowledge, that it bears witness with their soul, and there's an impartation, there's a verdict released in their life, and it bears witness. The church is actually built, it's transformed, it's awakened, the army is equipped in that process. Amen? Go with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. I'm giving you a lot of foundational scriptures here tonight because it's important that, um, you know, people, people that get awakened, they have a whole lot of question, and they often fall into a trap of reverting back to what they were. And the, I, I just believe there's a heavy element that the there's a, there's a pursuit to pull you into a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? Because in front of me are teachers, are anointed apostolic leaders, are army builders, right? There are people that are going to do great, crazy things, but you'll never get there if you don't pursue them with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. The army has to be awakened, and so Ephesians chapter 5, verse, starting with verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. The word word there is the word rhema, meaning the vision, the dream, what the Lord is actually speaking at the moment. That he might present her... her to himself a glorious church. Now this is a picture of a husband and a wife, but he's, it's actually a description of Jesus as the head of the church speaking over his church, right? And so if you have this revelation of this Christ, this spirit of prophecy, this one who rides a white horse, this one who has eyes burning of fire, and you're waiting at the door, waiting for people who are coming in with needs, waiting for people that you know the Lord has, wants you to speak to, that you have a word for, and you know that what you speak has weight, and it will release a verdict, it will impart, it will actually cleanse, it will wash. Paul is actually using the same language here, and he says uh, that he might sanctify and cleanse. That's actually... The spirit of burning, right? And the righteous judgment. The, the verdict that is released, 
the redefining of a person's life. They were walking down this road. You speak what the Lord says, and suddenly they're walking down this road, and the people that knew them can't recognize them now because they're in love with Jesus. They're undone in the Holy Ghost. They're, they literally have been changed overnight with, with, a, with a spoken word. Amen? And don't get me wrong, there's all kind of personal Bible study and there's all kind of revelatory stuff that the Holy Spirit will lead you into and speak to you and and do these supernatural things in your personal time with Him in your understanding of the Bible. But what I'm emphasizing is the purpose of this class is the equipping and you putting value on the, the word of knowledge. Were you putting value on the spirit of prophecy, the vision that the Lord gives you for the people around you? It's not a flash in the pan, right? Tell the person beside you that the Lord has a purpose in your life. And He's awakening you to hear His voice, to prophesy, to release verdicts, the judgment of heaven, and the impartation of the Holy Ghost. That the people around you will never be the same again. They'll be equipped in the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Hallelujah. You see, Jesus did not leave anything on the table. He gave you everything you need. Everything you need is in the, in, in the power of the Holy Ghost. Because the power of the Holy Ghost is the one who equips you to the one who reigns in heaven. So let's, let's uh, we've got two more scriptures here uh, before we uh, do some praying here tonight. But uh, John, John chapter 16, verse 7 to 11. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus days before the crucifixion, okay? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. It's important for you that I go away. That I accomplish everything on the cross is what he's saying. Everything that I have to go do, that the blood will come and wash all of those because I'm taking sin to the cross. He says, I have to go. For if I do not go away, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. And when He comes, He will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. Of sin, because they believe not in Me. Of righteousness, because I go to My Father and you see Me no more. And of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. So three things. When, you, when your life gets engulfed with the Holy Ghost... There's three key revelations he, he releases to you. One is that sin has no more power in your life. That the blood of Jesus paid everything for you and all you have to do is receive the Spirit. You have to run to the Spirit, expect in the Spirit, live in the power of the Holy Ghost. Number two, of righteousness. That because the blood of Jesus actually washed away your sin, all the darkness, that you are the righteousness in Christ Jesus, that your acts don't make you righteous. His acts make you right. His act, his one act make, made you righteous, right? And you can't work hard enough. You can't earn hard enough. You can't achieve hard enough. You can't try to stop hard enough. Instead of doing all those works, you have to position yourself to receive. And that's why your prayer life and dependence on the one who speaks actually is the most powerful force that you, you can rely on is your prayer life. Because number three of judgment, 
You see, no longer, when the blood of Jesus literally washes the sin off of you, no longer are you part of the dark world. You are actually pulled into the light of Christ in this this reigning Christ, this King of kings, this Lord of lords, this one with eyes burning of fire, literally comes out of heaven to judge and make war. That's what the scripture says. Revelation 19. It says, in righteousness, he judges and makes war. Tell your neighbor that Jesus is coming to make war in your life. To awaken you to the grace of salvation the freedom of the Holy Ghost and the equipping to conquer the world. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, when judgment, he says, when the, he says he sends his spirit to release judgment. Is that judgment against you? That judgment is actually for you. No longer are you guilty. You are actually not guilty. And if you know you're not guilty, no longer will you accept that thing that whispers in your ear. You'll never measure up. You're always going to be depressed. You're always going to be lonely. You're always going to be sick. And you can say, that's a lie. Because my God judged me healed. My God judged me saved. My God judged me delivered. My God judged me empowered. My God judged me a son. Oh my gosh, I'm a son of God. I am a son of God. And when you hear that voice, you don't accept it. You see, most of the church is handcuffed, imprisoned. When's this ever going to end? When you open your mouth, when you actually run into your prayer room, you hear him and you begin to speak what he's saying over your life. And the only way that you'll ever become a prophetic powerhouse is literally... You run into your prayer closet and no longer do you accept the junk that is whispered in your, in your ear for years, causing you hopeless, causing you to be depressed, causing you to be a victim. No more. Because you say, no, Satan, you're judged. You're judged, Satan. And I release the verdict of my God against you. You are judged. I release that judgment against you. Go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. And the reason why it's so important that you realize that you are in a temporal world, caught between an eternal place, the good place and the bad place, right? You have an opportunity out of your own free will. He's looking for you to give your will to him, that you would submit your will to him. And as you submit your will, when you chase him spiritually, he releases these judgments in your life. And you, all you have to do is speak them because you align your heart with the one who spoke to you. Amen? That's pretty exciting. I, get, I still get pumped up every time I speak about the revelation that it is not me, but Christ who lives in me. The one who accomplished all things on that cross. The one who actually empowers sons and daughters to not be victims of the earth, but victors. Amen? And so your prayer life is central to this. And this is, this is the last scripture of the night. This is uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. I encourage you, spend this week in this scripture, okay? Because this, this scripture, if, if it sinks in, it will shift your life. Because you'll realize that everything you need is in the spirit. It's not you trying to achieve scripture. It's in the spirit. 
Tell the person next to you, everything you need is in the Holy Ghost. Tell them like you mean it, man. Everything you need is in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. Did I give you the scripture? Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, our infirmities, our inabilities. That's what that means. In your flesh you're weak, but in the Spirit you are made supernatural. <laughs> Amen. You are supernatural in the Holy Ghost. For we do not know what to, we should pray for as we ought. Now, let's just pause on that statement. Well, Dave, I know I've heard you teach for like 10 weeks, and I know you always talk about your prayer life and why it's so important, but eh, I don't know. You know, I just don't know what to pray for. Well, wait a minute. Paul actually gives you the question. He gives you the heart position. And he's basically telling you it doesn't matter if you don't know what to pray for because I've equipped you in the Holy Ghost. Tell the person beside you no more excuses. <laughs> no more excuses, church. No more excuses. None. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But, somebody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God. thank God for the Holy Ghost. You see, Jesus did not leave us alone. He didn't leave us orphans. He sent the Holy Ghost. My God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, said, Jesus said this, it's imperative that I go to the cross because if I do not go, He'll not be sent. He'll not be sent. I have to go to the cross. To what? To send you the Holy Spirit. So stay in this city. That's what it says, Luke 24. Don't leave this city, boys. I'm going to go to the cross. This is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to die. I'm going to, I'm going to take sin to the grave. But you stay here. Stay here. Don't leave this place until I send you the equipping of the power of the Holy Ghost. Because a lot of you guys, remember Peter? Remember last night, Peter, when I told you I woke you up three times in the middle of the garden and you just couldn't stay awake? You didn't know what to pray for as you ought, so you just fell asleep. You just rolled over and you saw your friend, this guy named Jesus, literally in agony, blood, sweating blood out of his forehead. And you couldn't even stay awake then because you, you were lazy, because your flesh doesn't have the ability to chase my spirit. But when you are equipped in the Holy Ghost, he bypasses all of that junk. He does it all for you because he knows as a single man, as a single woman, as a person on this earth, that you do not know what to pray for as you ought. He knows that. So he gives you the equipping of the Holy Ghost for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You don't understand. What does, it, what does that mean? Why does the Lord give me that? I don't know, but I, I did it once and I'm, I'm not doing it again. Right? But here's the deal, guys. He makes, the Spirit makes the intercession. 
You, that means that when you get up, all you have to do is set your alarm. You don't even know what you're going to say. It doesn't matter. You sit there. I don't know what to pray for as I ought, but I know you gave me the Holy Spirit to intercede on my behalf, to speak on my behalf. So in, from the depths inside of me, the Spirit, get this, get this. It says, for, he makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered, not understood. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the perfect will of God. Did I tell you to get something tattooed on you? If, you, if I did, you know that was a joke. But if you are going to get a tattoo, you should get this one, knowing that there are no excuses, that Jesus gave you all of the kingdom of heaven. He gave you access. Who is he? In verse 27, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession. Where does Jesus sit right now? He sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for the saints according to what the perfect will of God meaning he took all of your thought all of your illegitimate illability excuses flushed them down the commode and he said I'm giving you my spirit and he will speak through you he will speak through you he gives you speak in a language you do not understand but he speaks through you and it says now, he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit. So it may sound like gibberish to you, but it says that Jesus sitting at the right hand knows what the Spirit is saying. It's a setup, guys. He's bypassing all of your inabilities, and he's giving you this perfect equipping to, buy, to totally get over everything Satan did to blind the heart of man. And he, and he made you no longer a son of the world. He made you a son of God who simply goes, what, how did I describe Isaiah chapter 28? Goo goo gaga. Do you remember that? Goo goo gaga. That's how Paul described the prayer language. Goo goo gaga. It literally is the picture that when a baby cries, goo goo gaga, the father, Jesus, turns and he begins to speak. And sometimes it takes five minutes. Sometimes it takes 20 minutes. Sometimes it takes an hour. But you, simply giving your heart to Him, simply giving your will and trusting that He is going to speak to you, you sit there because your life is now centered around this one called Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost. It's rigged in your favor. Tell your neighbor it's rigged in your favor. You've got, the, you've got the God of the universe who actually came up with the most supernatural equipping you could, he could ever give somebody. He gives you his spirit. He intercedes for you at the right hand. He says he will speak to you. He waits for you to literally pursue him. Tia mama, sote bria mama, sote bria. And the more you pray in the spirit, Paul says, I pray that you all pray in tongues, even more that you prophesy. How does that happen? You pray in the Spirit. The Lord starts giving you vision. You ask Him more questions. You pray in the Spirit. He gives you a vision. You ask Him more questions. Suddenly, the pieces of the puzzle line up, and you know that 
Oh, I know Johnny had this experience when he was six. And because he was abandoned, the Lord wants me to speak this word to him. And Johnny's life gets totally transformed because of a vision a person receives in their prayer time. Amen? Amen? Doesn't that excite you? You see, so a victim mentality sees that, Jesus, or sees that Satan blinds you and Satan does all this bad stuff to you. But the Lord is waiting for a, one person, just one. He's waiting for one person to literally throw all that junk aside and run into your prayer closet with this supernatural equipping, this supernatural prayer language that literally causes Jesus to intercede, to actually engage. You are, you, when you are sitting there and praying in the Holy Ghost, Jesus and the Holy Ghost are on your side. When's, you know, people come to me with problems. When's the last time you prayed? Did you get up yesterday? How about today? How about the last month? Did you get up at all in the last month? Why are you coming to me? You want me to solve your problems when you're not using the gift that the Lord gave you to pursue and get a relational dynamic between you and Him, a trust buildup where He washes you, equips you, light shines through you, and you go through these cycles, these routines where He washes you. He does things to you, right? It's spiritual. It's spiritual. Everything is, is spiritual. Where are you going to spend the rest of your life? In a spiritual world, Right? So you are a spirit with a soul locked in a temporal world. Locked into a, a veiled understanding. And unless you enter into this unique, simple gift that the Lord gave you, this equipping of the Holy Ghost, he actually, it's actually foolproof. If you look at it from his perspective, it's foolproof. Okay? Without the relationship... You'll, you'll not, your, your life will, will, be, will be limited. But if you pursue in this relationship, this dynamic of connection and trust, everything changes in your life. And not only does everything change in your life, you then become a weapon in the kingdom of heaven. Right? He sends you places. Amen? You want to be sent somewhere? Like down to Krispy Kreme to get a box of donuts or something? Prophesy over somebody on the way and then go down the down, get a, you know, whatever, wherever he sends you. Your life is not just about the Krispy Kreme. I like the Krispy Kreme. I get Krispy Kremes if he sends me there, but my, you get my point, right? The Holy Ghost, it is absolutely rigged in your favor. It is rigged in your favor. It is, it is so rigged that the only thing to prevent you from getting the revelation of Christ, the unveiling of Christ in your life, because, wait, he says, that he says these words, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but, but the Holy Ghost, tell your neighbor, but the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. Makes, intercession makes intercession for you. So the Lord is calling you to pray without ceasing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, 
when you get the revelation, it's like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We are going to literally kick some devil butt today. We are going to kick butt today. We're not only going to kick butt in my life, we're going to kick butt in Shelly's life. We're going to kick butt in Cole's life. We're kicking butt. We're kicking butt, literally. Whose butt are we kicking today, Lord? Whose butt are we kicking? That's right, the devil. But who am I fighting for? Who are you putting on my heart? Who am I praying for? Who am I going to pursue you for? Not only in my life, but for them, right? That's the essence. When you trust and love this one called Christ, this one called the spirit of prophecy, the word of God, who is sitting. Can you picture, you know, some of you got to get this vision. Jesus has been sitting in his stable, crowns on his head, eyes burning a fire. He's sitting in his stable. One year, two years, three years. He's waiting for you to engage the supernatural spirit of prophecy. He's literally waiting to slay that depression thing. He is literally waiting to slay that agony and pain, that heartbreak from your childhood. He's literally waiting. In, he's literally in the stable. Can you feel him here tonight? He's, he's, there's, there's a pull on you. There is a pull on you to run into this place called the prayer closet, into his presence, because he is waiting to slay that dragon in your life. He is waiting to take that choking, constricting spirit off your life. He's waiting to unlock the, the, the prison door in your life. He's waiting to heal your heart. Amen? And he's waiting for the army of the Lord to literally be awakened. Amen? Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org. D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book, The Key of David, Experiencing the Voice of God, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.